0: live ladies and gents welcome to episode 227 of aid thompson and other disappointments with me your host aid thompson uh, now it's often said that english is a complex beautiful and sophisticated language isn't it because we have such celebrated writers as william shakespeare charles dickens nadine dorries and it is In some ways, it is, you know, it is. like. But in others, it's pathetically ill-equipped. It just cannot quite capture the feeling. And tonight is one of those times, guys. I am lost for words because there is not an adjective out there that could adequately convey, adequately describe the excitement I had earlier this week when I managed to confirm a guest for tonight's show. He's a thinker. He's a songwriter. He's someone whose work in politics is every bit as impressive as his expertise in the arena of, let's call it what it is, goosebump mongering. (laughs) But unfortunately, Bono was not available after all. So we've got Graham fucking Hughes.
1: Yay. Woo. Yeah. Secondary guest. Hello, everyone.
0: Hello, hello, hello. You will know hello. Graham Hughes, uh, dear listeners and viewers, uh, from Labour Social. Uh, he runs the YouTube channel. Not officially affiliated with Labour. I always feel like we should no.
1: say am No. I might get into trouble about this as well. Yeah. We're entering, um, we're entering uh, election season. It's a year before the election.
0: So yeah. the election's
1: got to take place within the next 13 months.
0: That's right. Like, it's yeah. we're, we're really it's the into war. the final stretch now, aren't we? We're just, like, looking yeah. at... at Literal, like official Labour, like just, just please don't mess this up here. All right. <laughs> and for you a got minute, got one job. For a minute, like yesterday, Jess Phillips resigned. I was like, oh god, oh no, is yeah. this still going wrong? Still yeah. going horribly wrong. But um, no, it,
1: it didn't all go wrong. And uh, even though one out of every four Labour MPs voted for an SNP motion, for some reason. It. Uh, I mean, even the resignation letters were not like dismissing Keir Starmer. They weren't slagging off Labour. No. They were just saying, you know, I, I feel like I have to vote this way. Yeah. And I think that it is not a problem with Labour cohesion. I don't even think it was a problem with the Labour uh, the amendment that Labour put through, which was basically the same as the one that you yeah. know the SNP put through. Except let me get this right. They called for a cessation, an enduring cessation of fighting. In the mm. Labour one, and in the SNP one, they called for uh, a ceasefire. They both sound like the same thing to me, but apparently not. But I think it goes to the heart of what my what I think Labour's problem is going forward. Now I don't think it's going to be a problem for this election because the Tories have just done their dash. I mean, I can't see the Tories mm. surviving this election at all in any way, shape, or form unless something catastrophic happens. Um However, when Labour get in, they're going to be inheriting an absolute shit sandwich. Oh, yeah. They're going to be handed an economy that hasn't grown in 16 years. I, uh, I, a, tra- a stack of trade deals that are beyond shit. I mean, mm. you know what Australia deal that we got? Yeah. It says that they can, they can bring in 20,000 tons of their beef, their hormone-injected beef a year. Mm. 20,000 tons they can import from Australia, the other side of the world, and bring it over to the UK on a big... Smelly shit. And, and, um, and wait, wait, let me let me kind of just interrupt.
0: How, how many tons can we send over there, Graham? Zero. <laughs> Great. Zero. Great and who negotiated that deal? That sounds like a good one. Uh, that was Liz Truss.
1: Oh, amazing. Uh, who, who, yep. Brilliant, brilliant deal. Well, actually, it was Boris Johnson who was having a meal with the Australian oh, right. trade envoy or someone. Yeah. I think it was Alexander Downer or someone. And he, he went off to the toilet and, yeah. like, literally... He, he got he, he, the, the trade envoy, just wrote up this really quick thing. Yeah, Boris Johnson said, I, I feel so bad. He's a people pleaser. He said, I feel so bad about, about us dropping the Commonwealth in 1973 when we joined the European Economic Community. I, I feel so bad about that. So, uh, yeah, uh, so we, I, I want to do something for you. And they were like, Well, how about we can sell loads of shit to you tariff free? <laughs> you can't sell anything to us. Yeah, anyway, yeah, that sounds great. You know, he probably had done a few lines, and he was a bit drunk, and
0: ended yeah. up. I like so the. I like, the that that I like that you th- said probably. I like you. I like that you threw in probably, like allegedly. Like, <laughs> allegedly, maybe. it's possible. Allegedly, he's he a massive cokehead. Yeah. Well, can't
1: find him baggies. Of he did cocaine. sort of.
0: He did kind of admit it, didn't he? On Have I Got News for You? One time, he said he made some sort of jokey reference to the fact that he had had cocaine up his nose. Which, look, I'm not judging. I'm just saying, if you're the prime minister <laughs> and you're furthering <laughs> <laughs> and perpetuating a war on drugs and pretending that you're solving any problem problems by criminalising and jailing people. Yes. I'm just saying you don't then have the right to sit there and you know. Well, I mean, I mean,
1: imagine, it. imagine if he was black, and he he, he looked like a cokehead. Mm. Uh, he had uh, how many eight, eight or nine children to four or five different women. Yeah. Uh, I don't think
0: he would have got elected. Do you think yeah, go- he? Do you think he oh, signed yeah. off that trade deal or was okay with that trade deal on the basis of sort of uh, historic, like British guilt? Because I don't think he's got guilt in him, but I do think he would be very easy to like win over in a trade deal situation. They would just have to pull in like an aide or you know somebody's like support or like look. Can you just suck him off? Just give him a hand job. He would yeah. do it for a hand job. He'd fuck yeah. us over for one hand job. He would absolutely. Be like, yes, you'll do. <laughs> um,
1: it's just the worst, absolute worst. Anyway, going back to Labour, they're, they're, yeah. they're going to have a really shit time of it for at least the first three, maybe four, maybe five years of them being in power, right? And so in the 2029 election, it's going to be incredibly important for Labour to be able to explain their shit, mm-hmm. explain why things are the way they are. And Labour, if, if, if they can't even explain to their own MPs, why they should vote for their amendment rather than the SMP's amendments. Mm. What hope is there for the rest of us to understand why Labour do anything? And then they're gonna keep falling into these traps that the SMP set for them, like this week, or, or the Greens set for them when they had the, what was it, the, the killer motion or the Terminator clause or something in the House of Lords they were gonna have, and uh, that was gonna destroy this bill. But it wasn't, it would've just gone back to the House of Commons, They would've voted on it the next day, it would've gone back to the Lords, it would've made no difference whatsoever But because they didn't support it, the protest act, I think it was the protest act, was it? protest bill? Jenny Jones, the uh, Green Lord. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. By the way. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, she brought forward this this killer motion to try and kill the bill, but it wouldn't have actually worked. That was the thing. But instead of explaining that, you had West Streeting going on uh, Twitter and going, well, if you don't want these kind of laws, vote Labour next time. Oh! And I was like, oh, yeah. for God's sake, Wes, what the hell? Like, that's the worst thing you can say. I feel like... But yeah, that's, that's my worry about Labour.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm also a... Well, I don't i am know if fan is the right word, but I'm also a, an observer of Labour's <laughs> track record of poor communication. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Like, I feel like they've got better with the social media stuff. There's been a few, like, memes and stuff on Twitter that I've seen uh, banded about, but... Yeah. Um, in terms of actual, like, official communication and explaining to MPs why uh, things are moving in a certain direction. Do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Explain to us. Maybe, maybe there's a lot more room for improvement with that. Um,
1: I, th- I think so. I think so.
0: It's, uh, yeah. Do you know what's interesting, though, and slightly reassuring, is that when... Um, so the, there was one guy who resigned 10 days ago, two weeks ago, around then. Yeah. Uh, and then there was Jess Phillips... And there's yeah. been a few sort of parliamentary uh, like support secretaries that have stepped down. Yeah. Um. But I was expecting it to be reported by the right, like it'd be front page because they do like they they're desperate to get that twenty four point lead down in any way, shape, or form. So even though there will be disgruntled people within the Conservative Party, and even though you get resignations in the Conservative Party, um, it never sort of uh, bubbles up. To the front pages because they don't want to embarrass themselves. But when somebody resigns from Labour about this, it will be, um, it would be reported as like, "Oh, this is Labour tearing themselves apart." This is, oh, it's the beginning well, I mean, of the end. I mean,
1: they had a bit of a try. I mean, the the front page, the the Guardian was cock a loop about it because the Guardian right. hate Labour for some reason, and it was on the front. It was the first story on the BBC website on the, the night of the, the vote, which is on, on the the, the, uh, the Wednesday. And, and still the next morning, it was still the first story, really? which is quite surprising because like on that same day, it was the day that the High Court decision had come down, so the Supreme Court decision had come down. that the Rwanda scheme is <laughs> uh, illegal, yeah. not just under British law. And this is important, not just under European law. Under UN international law, and that absolutely snookers the Tories because they can't get around that. They Mm can put well, we'll pull out the the European Convention of Human Rights. Then, like Russia, and you're like, yeah, okay, go and do that. That's great, Uh, but we're still going to be part of the UN unless we're thinking of giving up our seats on the Security Council.
0: Well, I mean, don't rule it out, right? They they love to bash and talk about either destroying or uh, quitting from like big institutions with like acronym kind of names don't they so it starts (laughs) with the eu that wasn't enough then now they're banging on about the echr next it will be the un anything that stands in their way nato why should we go to the defense of france hey what have they ever done for us yeah
1: they will take our refugees let's leave nato and if they get invaded by russia it's on them
0: yeah do you think Like, how crazy do you think it could get? Because I've been thinking about this a lot this week, about, like, if you are a really sort of uh, Machiavellian, nefarious type, you've got a lot of business interests and you really want UK PLC to boom, uh, you might be one of these people who wants to dilute workers' regulations, employment law. Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah, and this is where that sort of tribe is headed, right? Like, it's not... That they want to leave the ECHR because they, um, uh, because they especially want to send two hundred people off to Rwanda. Like that's not what this is about. This is about the end game of like leaving the ECHR so they can force two thousand or five thousand people to work more hours that week, or work yeah. every second weekend, or work every like Saturday and so like gradually strip away your maternity rights, your annual leave. That's where this is headed. If you're a, a multi-millionaire or a billionaire, yeah. Um, do you think it could get that bad? Do you think we'll start yeah. seeing erosion of that sort of stuff?
1: No, because I don't think they've got time anymore. Mm. Uh, as I think it was Ian Dunn pointed out today, a bit of parliamentary arithmetic. It was the 17th today. And the latest, the latest, the very latest, that they can leave it without an election is going to be the 17th of December. Yeah. Because you've got to have an election within five years of the last one, or at least, you know, start the electoral period. So we could have the election in bloody January 2025 if left at the last minute. But the House of Lords can hold up any act come up from the lower chamber for up to a year. So anything that's not already up there, they're stuffed. They, can't, they, can't, they won't be able to get it through. Okay. The House of Lords will filibuster. They have a bunch of tools at their disposal, even if they don't have the majority. Even, even, even though the House of Lords has been well and truly stuffed with uh, Torby fanboys and girls, mm. Ian Botham. Do you, um, do, oh, do you know yeah. this guy? He's called Ian Botham. I've never heard of him before. But his claim to fame is that he once accidentally tweeted a picture of his cock. Oh, wow. Um, on, on Twitter. Yeah. I don't know what else he's done. He's like, I think he's a reality TV star or something, or he hit, uh, hit a ball with a bit, with a stick. But yeah. Uh, yeah, he's in there. We've got, we've got Charlotte Owens, who said, um, oh. She's been on quite the journey. That was the word she used as, as she entered the House of Lords today. Uh, no, sorry, the last week. Yeah. She's been on quite a journey, mate. She's 30. She started as an intern six years ago at number 10. Yeah. She's done quite She's done journey.
0: really well. I mean, people talk about social mobility and it not really existing <laughs> anymore.
1: And I think she's come yeah. a long way, really far. She has. She's gone straight from her private school into the House of Lords, pretty yeah. much.
0: Oh, was she on your private school mafia thing as well? Oh, God, yeah, she's on my private school mafia list. <laughs>
1: Privateschoolmafia.com, 700 names that you you know. You know, yeah. uh, all the people who you know on TV. You, you're doing
0: it, nothing for the cliche, really. for the accusation that, you know, sort of lefty communists love to keep lists, yes. don't they? They love to keep... keep Do track- we? Yeah. Keep
1: lists. Uh, there's a disclaimer on the site, and it says very clearly, before you get to the list, listen, some of my real good friends went to private school. Some people I really respect and completely love, like Rick Mayall, Yeah, You know, uh, Aid Edmondson. The, three out of the four in, on, in scumbag college on university challenge on the young ones went to private school. In fact, they were posher than the people in Footlights because only two of them went to private school.
0: Oh, wow. Well, yeah, there you go.
1: Fun fact. But yeah, Amano Annucci, uh, Philip Pullman, yeah, Simon Pegg, Banksy. I didn't know Simon Pegg did, really. Yeah, Simon Pegg. It does actually say, it says yes, really, after his name. <laughs> oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> There's loads in there and you'd be like, oh my God, I wouldn't have guessed that not in a million years. Yeah. 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 And even called Coltrane, even though he wanted to abolish them.
0: Really? Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah, Do I mean, I so
0: abolish- like I grew up with uh, some friends that went to private school and one of them uh, uh, didn't go to university and he ended up becoming a sort of tradesman, uh, just became a sparky. And when I, I don't know how he feels about this now, because I've not spoken to him about this sort of stuff in, in a long time, but he was always very dismissive of it. He was like it's a complete waste of money like, you know, why why did they, my parents send me to this expensive school? I came yeah. like I hated it there. <laughs> and then when oh, I right. left, I just went straight into like an apprenticeship and like what yeah. like has it really impacted my sort of life chances or or anything probably not.
1: No, but if you want to get into the kind of, you know, six-figure paying jobs in this country, yeah. If you've gone to private school, you you your chances, your probability of you getting one of those jobs just skyrockets, yeah. absolutely skyrockets. And it, that's not just the private school thing. It's also the fact, and we've discussed this loads of times before, if you've got a bit of money behind you, you can work as a jobbing actor in London doing extra work for yeah. £5 a day. You can you know, go to auditions all times of the day. You can get to the auditions. You can pay your rent if you've got money behind you. If you haven't got money behind you, you have to do a full-time job just live in london there's no other way of living in london unless you you work in like pretty much every hour god sends yeah and so you don't have time to go to auditions you don't have time to practice rehearse for auditions i mean imagine you're going for an audition for a, a big part in acting and you're literally washing up the bloody dishes in mcdonald's up yeah. to an hour before you go you're not going to be in the right mindset to do your bit and it it it's all those kind of things and it's why we often talk about this on our, on our shows on Labour Social and when on and other people's shows, is universal basic income mm. will allow everyone the same kind of peace of mind that rich kids have at the moment. Mm. Um, and that allows them to get into music, get into the arts, get into uh, science even, um, sport, elite sports. I always make a joke about, you know, like you don't get too many British yachtsmen coming from Bootle, do you? Yeah. No. <laughs>
0: Just doesn't happen yeah like <laughs> right, right, not bad it's it's <laughs> it's an important point to sort of tap into isn't it because it's it, there's there's so much talk about sort of unconscious or subconscious bias um about prejudice uh with regards to accents there was a news story published today yeah. I can't remember who by now but I saw it floating around where it said uh, people with working class accents uh on average earn about 10 20 percent less than people with like an estuary or like well-spoken or middle-class accents um so there's a lot of stuff to be said about sort of the prejudice the subconscious bias stuff um but you're right like a lot of it is uh the sort of contributing factors like the conditioning the uh environment that you're in purely by having gone to private school or by having come from an affluent family so like i uh, a good friend of mine i caught up with her last weekend she went to private school um she's you know left-leaning liberal as you like um yeah. but she has undeniably had a, an incredible life so far i mean she's i think she's 39 40 now um but just like off the back of her background she yeah. has managed to like she got a job in a like a film uh, production place in london she then was able to transfer over to la <laughs> uh yeah like now she's got into music and all of this is like, like uh, cushioned, uh, uh, nurtured by the fact that there is this, this uh, safety net of like yeah. the rent is going to be paid yep. or, you know, there's tenants in knock the flat, the staff, or, you know, like, like, on the streets. Yeah. You know. So she's in a really um, fortunate position now where she's just like, yeah, I'm thinking about might, might just sort of step back. Like she works in corporate sort of surroundings now, big, big corporation yeah. and she's like i might just sort of semi-retire i might just sort of um just focus on my music <laughs> oh my I'm god like, what a life oh, what? what an incredible <laughs> life you have <laughs> like to just go yeah i'm just yeah. gonna i might just beach bum it for a bit and focus on my music i'm like well, i'm not angry like i i love yeah. that you can do that but yeah it's uh, i think hey, i would rather the kids of rich
1: people did that rather than go into politics and ruin my life. I mean, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. but Mojo Sabian in the chat there saying only the kids of rich kids could possibly afford to be unpaid interns for of three years, which is very true. And so this is the two things that come together from a private school education. Money, you've hmm. got money. You've got the money to keep you going all through your 20s if necessary. You don't have to work a day in yeah. your 20s. You can just concentrate on your passion project. If you're Brooklyn uh what's his name um brooklyn beckham uh, Beckham. Yeah. You, can, you can take really shit pictures of elephants and, and still get published in a book in a book in a real book that i got actually published of his photos I'm, yeah uh, i'm uh, you know people say oh graham you got a chip on your shoulder but you know that the fact that i couldn't get a book deal after traveling to every country in the world getting banged up in in africa like twice in congo and yeah. cape verde and I couldn't get a book deal in this country, and it just—it was literally old boys' network. And I couldn't believe it when I got back, and I was just like, "Really? Is this serious?" Uh, like, so let's let's no. let's
0: drill into this a little so bit. Money so, and contacts. What was what was, well, what was the reason that they said that they weren't going to move forward with it? Uh, because I didn't have a a, a platform. I didn't have,
1: I, and you know, I was like, "Well, I've got." You know, I had a video that at the time that had like one and a half million views on YouTube. I was like, I've "Got this platform." I've got my TV show that I made for uh, Lonely Planet, National Geographic, and the BBC. Mm. And they're like, yeah, but it hasn't been shown in the UK. And I'm like, okay. But also, I'm willing to go out. I'm not like some shy recluse writer in, a, in, me, in me garden shed. You know, UK yeah. suite, he came back this week, didn't he? I'm quite outgoing. I'm quite an extrovert. I wouldn't mind doing a book tour and signing, like, literally hundreds of books in all these different places around the country. I've given seven TED Talks. I've talked at universities. I've talked talked to Eton. I've talked to Eaton College. I met yeah. this guy who sounded like, oh he sounded like Hugh Laurie, like not doing his American accent, but you know, when he's like just Hugh Laurie. <laughs> very yeah, good. Yeah, guy. Yeah. And uh, he was from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> he was from Texas. I was like, what? How are you from Texas? He's like, well, you know, I've been in this school for the last four years. i all been how to speak properly. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've, you've got that, the, the, the money and the contacts. And what I found when I, because, okay, I want to get a publisher. Okay, so uh, to get a publisher, you need an agent. Okay, I need to get an agent. Okay, can I re- re- get in touch with different agencies and send them off? You know, my 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 uh, spiel, all all the stuff I'd done. I'd I'd written the books because I'd written them as a blog as I'd gone, so the book's are pretty much written. Yeah, you could yeah. read them and say, ah, oh, this is shit. Not interested. But I just got rejection after rejection, uh, or they just didn't get back to me, which is somehow worse. Just getting ghosted, and uh, yeah, I had a I had a a meal. Down in London, uh, well, lunch down in London with a friend of a friend who was a theatrical agent. I um, said, Well, I can't really help you, but, um, you know, do you know anyone who went to private school? <laughs> and I was like, You're kidding me, aren't you? And he's like, No, no, you, you, if you can get someone to put a word in for you. And the only person then that I knew who, you know, could possibly put a word in for me was Rob Rinder. And when yeah. he was just starting off on Judge Rinder on the TV, he didn't go to private
0: school. Right, it just sounds like he did. So, hang on, let, let's roll back <laughs> a little bit. So, somebody that you knew told you, uh, "Look, if you know somebody that went to private school, that's yeah. probably your best route in to get, get, into get some." You, sort.
1: you need to know someone in right. in the
0: agents' world that can put you in. You know, make that contact for you. You know, the other thing that's interesting about that is like, so that that in itself is quite shocking, but, but also it's the laziness factor and i've seen this in the comedy world as well it's like so here you know, you're an interesting guy you've traveled around the world i've mocked you relentlessly for how i think that you're the sort of forest gump of <laughs> of politics and Warm, travel Father, yeah because you've had such an interesting life um <laughs> They're the <one> in Ireland. <laughs> uh, yeah we, we won't go into the island talk again um they, they can pick up the first first time you're on the show uh, for that one um But here, so you've got an interesting life, you've done interesting travels, all of the work is there, like, ready to be published. And their pushback on it is, well, you don't really have a platform. And I guess their concern is, you know, how would we sell this to people cheaply and easily? How do we get the word out there? And so on. And my immediate reaction to that sort of thing is like, that's your fucking job. Like you're the you're the promoter basically in this scenario. Well, yeah. I give you the manuscript, you decide well, how you're going to sell it and to whom, and then you book me for a like the book tour that you were saying. Don't come well, to me like asking me about my platform. <laughs> you get the fucking people in. Like well let's talk about the
1: big difference between the UK and other countries, right? So, I've appeared on TV shows in other countries, and I've had my own TV show, which was produced by Lonely Planet in Australia. So, even though know, it was distributed by the BBC because they owned Lonely Planet at the time, mm. it wasn't any British contacts that I had that got me that gig. It was me going out to Australia, literally banging on the door of Lonely Planet and going and kind of make you a TV show. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, I like it, their attitude is, um, in, in America and, um, in Australia and and places where I've pitched stuff so I, I also apart from coming up with TV show ideas I also write scripts and whenever I've pitched these scripts if I was pitching to an American or an Australian or South African or just someone who's not from Britain mm. the first question is usually who's the audience right and you're like well okay um, I'm going for this particular demographic blah, 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 blah. right if you ask the say if if you go to Give the same pitch to British producers, the British film people are terrible for this. The first question they ask you is, "Where are you going to get the money?" Right, <laughs> and you're just like, that, "That's the, what you just said. That's that's your job, isn't it?" Yeah, but it's just a British thing. Where are you going to get the
0: money from? Hey, eh? not bad. Yeah, so like, have <laughs> got the, a rich uncle? <laughs> the the comedy equivalent of that is like when you're booked in for a gig. And then the promoter starts like messaging you going like, yeah, have you got like, are you bringing friends down? How many people are you bringing down with you? And it's just like, I'm bringing jokes. I've got my fucking joke book right here. That's what I do. I've gone out and tested it, made sure that all of the bits that I'm going to perform at your night are the bits that work. So I'll bring the entertainment. You fucking go out there and flyer and get on the socials. And build up a buzz around it. That's your. You are literally. This is. Yeah. It's your fucking name. It's your job. i your the <laughs> Go out and promote. Don't let me hold you. Why am I wasting your time? You should be out there now. Like, uh, uh, is, oh. is it
1: Stephen Merchant in in extras? He plays the uh, the agent, doesn't he? Who's perfect and and Reese, um Reese Darby in Flight of the Concords, Perfect. Those those agents are just. It's not even a comedy show. It's just a documentary.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I say that about this show now. Like I always say, oh, it used to be like dystopian fantasy satire. Like now, it's just become current affairs because yeah. everything's got so fucking balmy. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. Anyway, let's let's drag this sort of kicking and screaming back to current ah. affairs. Okay. Um, so okay, so it's been a big news week, right? So we had um, Suella Braverman sacked Monday yes. morning. Hurrah! David Cameron uh implemented into mm. back into government through the back door sort of thing. Yeah. Um then we had the Rwanda verdict uh which didn't go their way. We 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 sort of covered that about where that's headed. And then just today we've had this is it's sort of slightly on a different uh uh tier I suppose. It's more celeb and pop culture, I guess. Um but did you see the stuff about diddy today? Mm. Yeah. Just utterly, like... Like, there's been rumours about Diddy for yeah. years. Would it be a surprise if it was true? I, I would That's not be surprised at all, no. Exactly. I mean, this is why, you know, the uh,
1: uh, same with Russell Brand, um, uh, Jimmy Savile. Any any of these people who turn out to be monsters, there's some that really take you... Well, the only one I can think of that really, I found a surprise, was Ralph Harris. But... Really? Apart from that, like, yeah, it's just been like, yeah, he looked like a monger. Yeah, he came across like a oh not him, yeah, yeah, him, definitely. I mean Marilyn Manson, for God's sake.
0: <sighs> yeah. Yeah, like Marilyn Manson with like when they said about the allegations that were going uh that were being tabled about him, I was like but, but he seems so nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, he seemed like such a friendly guy. Yeah, like it did like yeah. some of them are just not shocking at all. They would not be shocking to anybody. But this this one about P Diddy or Puff Daddy or Sean Coombs, he he has
1: like, it does look very much like they've got him banged to rights because there was the incident where he literally said, I'm going to set fire to the car of the guy that the woman involved was yeah. uh, with at the time. And that car went on fire.
0: And up to this point, no one knows who did it. Yeah. <laughs> She's gone. Yeah, it was him. Yeah. So there's that, there's the, I suppose a little bit of context for those who are not sort of, you know, into music so much or or certainly rap. But P Diddy used to be known as Puff Daddy, uh, very successful uh, music producer in the early 90s and sort of leading up to the millennium. Um, He was, I don't want to say implicated, he wasn't really implicated in the shooting of Tupac, although people have sort of suggested playfully that he might have had Tupac killed because he was so chummy with Notorious B.I.G., um then throughout the last sort of 20 years there's been these sort of little news reports have bubbled up there was one about his chef his ex-chef who worked for him for about a year um and she said that she was expected to serve food after these sort of orgies had taken place which is you know fine if you're a Rich guy or rich couple, and you know you're, you're having people over and you all fuck each other. Like, oh, okay, if that's what you're into, great. And then if you're rich enough to have a chef and go like, okay, we're done fucking, let's have some ordure. Hors- standard, or...
1: standard Friday nights in at number ten
0: during Boris Johnson's tenure. Well, clearly, absolutely, and they were all good guys, weren't they? So tenure of terror. Um, so so that that's fine but then where it sort of tips over into hugely problematic illegal behavior is like so she was saying that guests of these parties would then walk into the kitchen completely bollock naked and just like be like oh check out my dick sort of thing Mm. so she then complained and then she was fired so there was that one and then there's an ex-girlfriend of his who said that he beat her and now there's this lady who says that he raped and beat her and blew up her Uh, boyfriend's car boyfriend's car Um, and here's the really funky bit his ex-wife was a lady called kim porter and she sort of died mysteriously oh Uh, really yeah and she'd been with him for about 15 years or something and there's a lot of people who were like she fucking knows like everything (laughs) and then she just died like she's feeling fine on the saturday night or whatever and then you know dies yeah. and uh Oh shit man and and she's so there was like five of them I'm getting really into the hip hop uh trivia now but like there's five of them that used to work at the same record label and we'd all know each other's business sort of thing. And mm. it's him and one other guy that are still alive. So the death rate of the people who used to work at this fucking place with him is like pff, pff, pff. Mm, it's not Yeah, so I think it could be this could oh. be a sort of prelude to surviving p diddy or some shit
1: shit okay fair enough well that's got nothing to do with british politics but yeah <laughs> yeah sorry wait, I, I did say like oh
0: it's like am going right, off, yes, on, so a, going off on tangents
1: let's go off on a mad tangent yeah but yeah um but it so is let's, sort of... let's talk a little bit if we can about the performative cruelty of the tory party this week oh, only sure, sure. are they trying to send genuine asylum seekers genuine asylum seekers mm-hmm. not, not fake ones not people taking the piss genuine one percent 1% of genuine asylum seekers, they want to send them to Rwanda, which is yeah. a country where they torture people, put them in jail, and shoot them dead if mm. necessary. It's a dictatorship run by a guy called Paul Kagame, who's been in charge for 20 years, and basically uh, it is way or the highway. And the guy that uh, the movie Hotel Rwanda was about um, was actually the, the real guy was kidnapped by the Rwandan authorities. He was on a plane flying over to Uganda, I think, and they diverted the plane into, so it landed in Rwanda, they arrested him on the runway, and they tortured him for two years. Oh, wow. And that was that was three years ago. So um, yeah, uh, basically not a safe place to put anyone. Thousands of refugees have left Rwanda. And here's the kicker, 1% of, pop, uh, of the uh, refugee population would be sent over there under the plan. And we will take the same number, if not more, refugees from the Democratic Republic of Congo who are currently in refugee camps in Rwanda.
0: Yeah, I was thinking... No, no net reduction. I, I was thinking earlier, like, if if Rwanda is ruled or seen to be uh, an unsuitable, unsafe country for um, gay people, lesbians, yes, uh, people of colour or different tribes... Um, and then people leave Rwanda claiming asylum somewhere else, right? Yeah. Even even if it's not like our 200 that we send over there, if it's just any people in Rwanda say it's not safe for me here, I'm going somewhere mm-hmm. else. As long as it's more than 200, then mathematically that should render our entire policy redundant. I mean, even more redundant yes. than it already is, right? Like yeah. It's like it, the maths don't stack up yes. on that. But yeah, and, and it's...
1: Israel tried this uh, back in uh, the 2010s. Uh, they tried it for a few years. It sent a few thousand people over there. And everyone just got sent back to the country they came from and probably got killed. And uh, the Australians did it with Nauru. Uh, it's a little island nation uh, just south of the equator. 2,000 miles northwest of Queensland. And uh, I've been there. Spent four days on Nauru because we were taking 88 containers off our boat, And because uh, it's so poor. And it doesn't have a port. <laughs> yeah. You have to take the boxes off one by one, these big 20-foot containers, right. onto a little floating barge. And you there's nowhere to move up because it's a potato-shaped island. It's quite fascinating. The geology it used to be the middle bit of a volcano. So imagine a shaft of ma- magma coming up the middle of a volcano, like this microphone. Yeah. And and it pushes up the, la- the the soil around it. And then over millions of years, the soil goes away, but it leaves the column of magma. And they're right on the top of the column of magma. There's, there's no rivers, there's no inlets, there's no harbors, there's no bays. I feel, and like, you've got this
0: I feel like sea anchor. You going off on a tangent about fucking geology is like me going off on a tangent about <laughs> 90s hip hop. And just to tie back. it
1: into rap music.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah,
1: Naru, fascinating place. Anyway, they did the sums, and you'll never guess how much it cost per refugee yeah. to send them to Nauru for processing.
0: Have a uh, guess. Oh, in pounds? Dollars, US dollars. US dollars. I'll say ninety thousand dollars. Ninety thousand dollars. Yeah, is that have I gone no. too high? No, bit more, bit more. Oh, okay, hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, refugee. No, more. Five hundred thousand. Go big. Ooh a million dollars. More. Really? Fucking yeah. hell. Uh, Three Go million, each. <laughs> higher, million higher. dollars each. More.
1: Ten million dollars
0: each. higher? $50 million. No, less than
1: that. Tell you what, take your 10, double it. Yeah. 20 20 million. Yeah, add two. (laughs) I really had
0: to think of it. Wait, hold on.
1: (laughs) uh, It's
0: a bit late for mental arithmetic. $22 million per refugee. Yeah. But it's not about the cost, apparently. (laughs) It's about the optics, is what we're told. It's like we want people to see that they might be shipped off to a third country. Uh, so they're scared to climb in the boats. And I'm like, unless the third country is as bad as the fucking Taliban or like yeah. ISIS or whatever it is that they're running from or Saudi bombs in Yemen, they're going to take the risk with the boat from the nice guy with the like bum bag that one says, yeah, chance, give me 10 wait, grand. One in a hundred chance.
1: If if the Rwanda policy goes ahead, they've got a one, one in a hundred chance of being sent to
0: Rwanda. Yeah. I like them odds, yeah, but <laughs> do you
1: 90, know what out of hundred you won't get sent to remember
0: so like at the beginning of this, you were saying about, yeah, about the Tory uh, uh, penchant for doing something unspeakably cruel for no real material benefit, right? Yes. And we're about to see that again next week. So we've got the autumn statement by Jeremy Hunt. He's going to stand up there in the House of Commons and he's going to talk about, Um, how the economy's doing and where he can pinch pennies from and where he's going to allocate more expense to. And traditionally, you would have, you know, a Gordon Brown or George Osborne standing up there saying, yeah, look, okay, we've got, you know, 1.5% growth and uh, we would like to do this and uh, we think it's right that we pull the money back from there and blah, blah, blah. This week, this coming week, we're going to see Jeremy Hunt with a straight face stand up there and say... There's too many lazy people at home on benefits, which there's not. We can get into that in a minute. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to slash their benefits and take away their the payments for their NHS prescriptions they were talking about today. They'll take their medicines away, mate. Yeah, like if you a don't... life-saving medication they're going to yeah. take away. If you don't get a job in the next, like, 12 weeks or six months or whatever the time limit is, then we are, we'll cancel your fucking NHS funding, is what they're going to say, because we can't afford it. We need more people in work. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And in the same breath, they're going to say, "Do you know what? We're doing all right. I think we're okay. Should we get rid of inheritance tax? Let's just throw eight billion away. Absolutely, we should. You know, oh, they're going to half it. They're going to half inheritance tax because those poor little rich kids.
1: You know, I mean, you, you got to feel for them. That that these rich kids, they they get like you know everything handed to them on a plate, and then when their parents die, you have to pay
0: tax on money that they haven't earned, money they haven't worked for. Mm you know it's only four percent makes them sad four percent of the population they're in scope of this fucking tax. And, and it's,
1: it's it's only on stuff after the first half million
0: right they, can, yeah. they can't
1: stress this enough you pay no tax on the first half a million that you inherit from your parents if it includes the property that yeah they, that they lived in half a million no tax whatsoever and then it's taxed above that yeah. i mean how much money do these people need what's wrong with them like do they have like mad, you know, drug addiction or something. I, I, I want to know what they spend the money on.
0: A yacht addiction. I think so it's the- sort of, if I sort of try and put myself in the position of a conservative, of a heartless, callous agent of sociopathy, Graham, <laughs> uh, I guess I would look at it like, look, when mum and dad die and they're worth like, let's say they're worth 10 million, uh, shave off 40% of that straight away, that's down to 6 million then we've got to divide it three ways because they've always got about three kids, these aristocratic cunts. Uh they can afford them. Not like yes. us povers, not like us plebs scraping away, like, should we have another kid?
1: <clears throat> no. No. No, no. No. Can't afford um, that kind of crazy extravagance.
0: Yeah, so once you take the tax off and you divvy it up three ways, uh maybe just each one of the kids is really pissed off because they were looking forward to having a ten million pound house. Like, but inheritance tax fucking fucks that for them. Uh, um, doesn't well, they wouldn't mean be able to it's... have that anyway because there, there's three of them. So, unless they killed the siblings. Which, do you know what? You wouldn't rule it out, would you, for sociopaths? It's soci- well, is it, sociopathy hereditary? Can you be a. Yes, I think so, probably. Do you think? If I mean, blue... mental health problems are like
1: ADHD, <laughs> autism runs
0: in families. Oh, I've just got a super chat. That's very new for me. Uh, yeah. Number three. number three. Uh, thank you very much. Number three. Whatever happened to the people smugglers? That was my least favorite 70s comedy. <laughs> yeah i feel like well, is it, the question um that we like if you go back to the small boats to small boat crossings and you want to use it as a deterrent uh an implementation of the rwanda policy then you're leveraging entirely on the fact that it's a deterrent rather than going after the people smugglers i think is the uh yeah the nuts and bolts of that I mean, they say that they're striking deals between the National Crime Agency, French authorities, which is uh, uh, a harder task than maybe you might think, considering <laughs> you'd think because we are neighbours, we'd work really well with each other about that sort of thing. But no, mm, we've, we've, no. we've really fucked that relationship uh, with a we lot have. of weird flag-waving and xenophobia. Well, uh, Brexit. Yeah. We yep. used to have
1: a rule where if someone came across on a boat, we could send them back to France. There's no point in coming on a boat. We didn't have yeah. any boat people. At... Well, 20, 2018. No boat people. No no small boats coming over before 2018 with refugees on. Yep. Not at all. And then it's gone up
0: to like over 100,000 people have come over now on small yeah. boats. I mean, that's to the, the natural policy. logical uh, end point of this, isn't it? Is that they reopen safe routes, processing centres. They deliver a that's... fair, decent, reasonable asylum system. There is a question people. for you. What, yep. what, why do you need a processing centre?
1: Like that's if it. you had a system where mm-hmm. you could go in... You know you're, you're from a, a war-torn country or you're, you're from a country where homosexuality is illegal or you, you had the threat of female genital mutilation or something horrible yeah. happening to you and you leave your country and you go to the neighboring country so say you're coming out of uganda and you go to kenya you go to nairobi you go up to the high commission the british high commission and you say i would like to apply for asylum mm. and they say okay we will take your fingerprints we'll scan your iris you know so we know who you are take your yeah. photo give us all your details right and we will you know we'll give you a code and then you need to put all your details on this system and the people working on the system. So it's not the people in the embassy in, in, in you know, Nairobi who are actually doing this, goes to the UK and they can process the application. And yeah. if they need to do interviews and, things like that, and that person stays in Nairobi until that application goes through. Right. Yeah. And then it's a yes, no. You can come here. Great. We will pay for your flight because it'd be cheaper to do it this way. We'll pay for your flight. The we'll flight from Nairobi to London and, you know, you can come and stay here. Or we can have families who sponsor refugees. We sponsored some um, Ukrainian refugees last year to yeah. come and stay with us for a bit. And people people would be willing to do that. I know they would, because a lot of people in this country are but very I think, generous very kind and want to help. I think,
0: with all due respect, Graham, what you're not factoring in here, you, and you, you're really not, you're, you're missing this, um, is that you have an IQ above 43. <laughs> And these people, so does do
1: Trump, that, he's 45, that's why it says it on the side of his cap. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> fucking hell. We should we talk about Trump for a minute?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, let, let me just
0: finish off on this point yes, about yeah, the sure.
1: uh people seeking asylum in this country. There are ways mm. of doing it, and do you know what? I always think of when I, when I think of um, like the fact that there are so many people coming over in the small boats now, I think a tentacle porn, right. really. Yes. The reason being, tentacle porn shouldn't fucking well exist, but it does because of Chinese rules on censorship. So they were like, oh, well, you can't show a penis going into a vagina. Can we show something else going into a vagina? They're like, I guess so. Okay, bring out the tentacle porn. (laughs) So you've got this weird, mad sub-genre of really fucked up hentai porn that wouldn't exist had they not brought in a draconian law, you know, to, to, to cause it. This is the same with if they hadn't fucked things by pulling out of the, what was called the the belt, the Dublin Agreement, which allowed us to send refugees back to Calais, yeah, we wouldn't have the problem with the boat people. They yeah. literally created this problem, and now they're going, "Oh, look at all this tentacle porn! It's a disgrace, It's destroying the social fabric of the nation." There's and you're something like, so you made this happen, you dickheads.
0: Well, that's that's a really good example of like the short termism that I always bang on about, where they think that they're solving a problem with yes. this sort of knee-jerk, like quick panic, like go straight from first to fifth gear kind of solution. Yeah. Uh, and it always comes back to bite them in the arse. It does. It uh, does. And look, I don't profess to be an expert on Japanese tentacle porn um, any more than you, but, um, uh, or, or the next man. Uh <laughs> But uh, like domestic politics wise, I see this every fucking week. It doesn't matter if it's Boris Johnson, Liz Truss, Rishi Sunak, whoever. Yeah. They always go for the quick, easy solution, the short termist solution to whatever yeah. the problem is. Something is going to satisfy and placate the Daily Mail and Daily Express the next day. And then yeah. the repercussions come like two, three, four weeks down the line. Yeah. And it's always hilarious. It's, it might be my favourite comedy genre now. But this this um,
1: policy of the government now, uh, going back to what you are saying about the, the the budget, the autumn budget, the autumn statement next week. Yeah. The fact that they are, you know, in one fell swoop, they've said, we've got to cut inheritance taxes. We've got to t- cut taxes for the richest 4% in the in, in the country for money they haven't earned. For yeah. money that is literally a gift from their mummy and daddy. Yeah. I, that The vast majority of us will never have to pay. And at the same time, they're cutting the medication... For people on um, benefits, people who are long-term unemployed, people who are disabled, people who are suffering from mental health problems. Mm. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, you can't even call this an unintended consequence of what's going to happen. You know, it, it, it's very much an intended consequence. It's it's euthanasia.
0: It, yeah. You know. And it, it's also it's worth mentioning there that they always bang on about, like, oh, we're the party of hard work and aspiration. We want to uh, incentivize people to get back to work, and the best route out of poverty is hard work and aspiration. And you can make that it sounds two, blah, familiar. Blah, blah. What it's... work work somehow brings freedom? It's well, it's provide fucking... that in German, couldn't you, and put it above <laughs> a, a gate? It would look really nice. But it's like. This is their But what are they doing with the even considering the inheritance tax cut is like you're not that's not incentivizing hard work. That's giving people who already have money, more money that they haven't earned, as you way more eloquently uh, put. Um, So there's that. Then there's the other like flip side of it it. It's like, yeah, you're not solving a problem. Uh, and, and, like, incentivizing people to go out and work harder when the sort of jobs, the labour market that we're talking about with these people... Like, if you're on the fucking breadline, if you've been signed off sick for, like, six months, a year, you're on incapacity benefit, when you go back to the workforce, you're not, like what what job are you actually going to go it's all fucking like almost 100% gig economy jobs doesn't matter yes. how fucking hard you work you're going to be on yeah. the equivalent of minimum wage working your arse off you get taxed to the hill and it's like i've got to be really careful i don't go on a full blown rant or i'm going to piss off my neighbours with shouting through the <laughs> through the shed doors <laughs> again another thing uh but it's it all gets cloaked in this sort of um this well we're the conservative party and we should be the party of low taxation and it's like yeah you should but you've yeah. fucked the economy so hard that now yeah. you can't like you, you have to oh, pay wow. out a set amount towards the bond interest payments. You have to, that interest payment has got more expensive because yeah. of the mini budget last year. Yeah. You're and the fact that Rishi really Sunak didn't insure against the interest rates going up, that cost yes. us 11 billion straight yeah. off the bat. So now bond repayments, like bond interests have never been more expensive. Yeah. Uh, Taxes have well, never been higher. It's going to be Labour's problem in it in a year's time. Well, that's it, isn't it? It's like this way they get to say that they've cut a tax or they've cut taxes. But, I mean, I think I'm, I'm of the belief the that they know that they fucked the next general election. And now they're just using the remaining time that they've got in office to sign off the stuff that keeps their donors, their rich friends, yeah. their private school yeah. network. It's a fire, sale. fire yeah. sale.
1: Trash everything on the way out. And then you can blame the opposition when they get into power say that that's all their fault yeah. uh, mojo sabian in the chat has been writing some good stuff uh, we are brought up in this country to believe that happiness is the result of financial success that's bullshit i couldn't agree more uh, that's why working people in this country have such a problem with depression i don't think you're wrong and then another message is saying you're only a winner if you're rich happiness is the result of being able to do what feeds your soul to mm. do that, you need time and jobs and need to pay to exist, robs and jobs and, and, and a need to pay to exist, robs you of that time. We're only here for a short time on this planet, and to have to spend that time doing shitty menial jobs that don't need to be done, jobs for the sake of jobs. It's like Soviet Russia, where they will pay people to dig a hole and then pay them to fill the hole back in so they can say, Oh, look, it's a job. Yeah. And it's the same thing that the goddamn Nazis did. In 1930s, they banged on all the time about everyone having a job. It's the most important thing. And what they ended up doing is putting disabled people into camps and murdering them because they were seen as useless eaters. Yeah. And Idi Amin in the 1970s did exactly the same thing. He drowned thousands of disabled people in Lake Victoria, rounded them up, rounded them up in in vans, took them to this lake and drowned them because he saw them as useless eaters. And this Tory government is doing exactly the same thing as them they may yeah. be it so that being disabled in this country which is tough enough let me tell you as mm. someone whose partner's deaf try going to the cinema if you're deaf go on have a mm. go it's a bloody nightmare it's a 60 mile round trip if you want to go see the latest marvel movie
0: have you seen uh i've been up been sort of like sharing his stuff on instagram and stuff uh, have you seen this comedian drew michael name rings a bell he's uh he's a new york ex snl writer guy um, yeah. stand-up comedian, and he suffers and has suffered with um, a degenerative uh, hearing loss condition. Uh, and his stand-up is really, like, really interesting. It's, like, I mean, it's hilarious, but it's also really uh, stimulating because he talks about it very earnestly about what effect that had on him as a child and how he, he ended up yeah. sort of withdrawing and listening to, like, he's not, he's not deaf, but he's there is, you know, progressively worse hearing loss there uh and so because he couldn't listen to his friends properly and because his parents didn't really know what to do with him like he withdrew and listened to stand-up comedy and then that was his route out and uh and it ends with this really like heartfelt monologue and um yeah i don't know man like check check it out because i think you'd quite like it yeah i will do but, I mean, it, it's tough enough
1: being disabled in this country and the fact that the government is making it harder. It should be that you get your universal basic income, you get your benefits, you get everything that you need to stay alive and to facilitate your life. Mm. And if you want to work, then that's a bonus. Yeah, And that's great. You, you you work. And you know what? We'll tax you from the first dollar. That's fine. We don't care about that. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. as long as everyone in this country just has a fair whack at being an entrepreneur, being an artist, being creative, doing what they want, being a sports person, yeah. doing what they want, get, have, giving it a go, you know, give everyone that opportunity. And I was having this argument with a friend of mine who's uh, its a bit right-wing, shall we say, and he doesn't believe in universal basic income because he thinks it will make everyone lazy. And I was just like, mate, our, pri- our prime minister is one of the richest people in the world, not just in the country, but in the world, he's one of the richest people. And yet he works being the prime minister. Why did yeah. he just sit on his arse all day playing PlayStation? He could. JK Rowling's the most she's the richest transphobe, I mean, author in the world. <laughs> and 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 she could just sit on a beach for the rest of her life. I wish she would. But she keeps writing books. Why? Why, Aid. Yeah. There's no incentive. You need an incentive. And I'm like, no, you know, people like to do what yeah. they enjoy and what they're good at. And generally, what people enjoy at what people enjoy is what they're good at, except if you're talking about karaoke and then somebody you don't
0: wrote, go that way. Somebody wrote a tweet. Um <laughs> Last time Universal Basic Income came up uh, in the news as as a sort of talking point, um, and I I will completely butcher this. I'm sure that they wrote it way better than I will now regurgitate it. But it was something along the lines of uh, the rich don't want uh, UBI because the rich already basically have UBI. (laughs) It's just called like the bank of mum and dad, right? They've got that cushion money there. They've got the time. Like I was saying about my friend earlier, you know, no disrespect to her. I'm very happy that she's got that safety net there. Um, But it is, that's exactly what it is. It's like you've got the basics covered and now you can pursue your dreams and the things that you're actually interested in, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's so like telling that he said to me, uh, well
1: because I was saying, look, I'm quite fortunate. I'm very fortunate. And I understand that I'm a lot more fortunate than others. And I might belly ache about not having a book deal, but like, <laughs> let's talk about my life so far. I started off as a freelance uh, video producer back in when I was 21. And I could do that because, you know, I knew that if it went wrong, I could move back to my parents. Mm. I knew that that was an option. It was always going to be an option. Um, if, uh, you know, I, I didn't succeed going to every country in the world, okay, I go back to doing what I did in Liverpool. I said, I want my contacts and everything to continue making videos and stuff. Um, I'll give it a go. I I could go to um, America and appear on this game show, which I won on the Island. I could go and do that because I didn't have a job to leave. You know, I was always working for myself. I was always freelancing. I was always working, but I always had that safety net. And he said to me, I think you got a chip on your shoulder. I think you're jealous of rich people. I said, no, I want everyone to have the same safety net that I had. Yeah. That, you know, that you have, because he's, he's well off and he was born well off. I want everyone to have that. That's not jealousy. That is yeah. like being egalitarian. Do you know what I mean? Like trying to make things fair for everyone and give everyone, if we talk about level playing fields, we we have to do this.
0: I, I always feel like that sort of response uh, highlights a lack of self. It's like a sort of ego red flag to me. It's like, why do you feel like you should have that like Mm -hmm. i to me it reads like you actually quite like having a sort of underclass of plebs and povers Mm. who you get to feel better than and you have a fairer shot at pursuing your dreams and you like the fact that there's this whole struggling underclass there who could never do what you do and so that gives you an advantage and you get to feel big and clever and more important or whatever (laughs) and i don't i can't i struggle to think of a sort of counter-argument that yeah. you know
1: well when you're used to privilege equality feels like oppression yes yeah it's such a great
0: line it is not mine but it is such a great line i just want and to know, touch uh quickly sorry. on so you mentioned about Idiomin Amin, uh and yeah. uh sorry there was another example as well probably hitler um putting yeah. disabled people into, into... <laughs> i went full godwin there mate yeah um <laughs> i've got a, a moth buzzing around my head here um and I th- this was the week uh, also It was a big news week uh, where Donald Trump said via his spokesman that their policy that they're going to bring in at the moment is sort of constrained to illegals, but it could be expanded to dissidents. But basically it's like they're, they're going to construct a network of concentration camps is what, like they call them detention camps for illegal immigrants and they're going to vastly restrict the asylum process um But yeah, that's that's. I mean, we're basically at sort of what like nineteen thirty five sort of period now of like the Hitler trajectory. Everyone's still saying, "Oh, you're being hysterical." Oh, like what no, are you no, no. He called?
1: About? He called the people who are left wing vermin. He called them vermin this yeah. week, which echoes exactly, exactly the words of it. Well, not exactly because he said it in German, but mm. like you know that was the German word for vermin. Saying about socialists, exactly the same thing. Yeah. I am terrified of Trump getting in next year. He's ahead. In five of the six um, the, the states that need to be won in order to win the election over there, obviously there's a bunch of states that you know vote always vote Republican, always vote Democrat, and then you've got those swing states that you have to win in order to win. In five of those six states, Trump is currently polling ahead, polling ahead of Biden, mm. and that yeah. terrifies me because the man is fat Hitler. He is just the most horrific human being
0: that exists at this time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was. Uh, watching his speech that he gave the other day, where he said the vermin thing, because I was like, let's let's have a look at it and see what the context was and how viciously he said it, the tone. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty pretty out there. I mean, he's he's like these radical leftist Marxist thugs. Yes. Uh, they live like vermin. Yeah. I'm like, this is. I mean, he's he's all he's always been out there, right? He's always been an, an extreme individual who has channeled the worst a rapist, an extreme rapist. Yeah, uh, but this is this is a new territory, and I'm yeah, like I'm I'm worried also because I don't think I mean, look, he struggled to build a wall. I said that on my yeah. <laughs> on my uh, solo show the other day. It's like you know, how seriously can you take this aspiration to construct a whole network of concentration camps when he couldn't even build like one wall, but. Like, it, it's super well, concerning.
1: There's, that There's other things he wants to do. So there's the Project 2025. Uh, if you Google, I think it's called Project 2025. And um, basically, this is a, from uh, the right-wing think tanks they have an, over there, The you know, the Heritage Foundation. Mm. And basically, they want to take the Department of Justice into the executive in yeah. America, which means that the president is in charge of the yeah. Department of Justice and can decide who they investigate, who they, you know, detain. You can detain people who have done literally nothing wrong in america uh well lots of countries um uh pending trial and he can then decide that they have to wait five years till the trial goes ahead yeah he uh he, he wants to change the constitution uh, so he stays in power forever for the yeah. rest of his life which is very likely that he'll try and do that hopefully he won't live that long but um you know we're, we're in a situation we're in a dire situation and i you know it, it 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 drives me up the wall that so many Americans look at look at Trump and say, yeah, he's the guy for me. Mm-hmm. And they, they remind me of, and I mentioned this this afternoon when I was chatting to Phil, the, the people who voted for Brexit after Joe Cox murder, they mm-hmm. went, oh yeah, that murderer, who murdered that young mother of two, yeah. I, I would've been on the same side as her. Yeah. And they put, went and put an X on the piece of paper. Lots of people say that you should forgive Brexiteers because it's been a long time, you know, but, and some of them have come around to, too, you know, common sense, but at the end of the day, they look. They they knew that happens. They knew that the guy who did it was screaming Britain first as he did it. Yeah, and they were like, "Yeah, I want, I want him, and I want every Nazi, every fascist, every right wing racist wing nut in the country. I'm going to vote the same way as them."
0: Yeah, yeah. If takes, you're on the left, there's no excuse. It takes a, a, a sort of particularly uh, like insular ignorance, doesn't it, to to look yeah. at a story like that and go like, "Well." Yeah, but like, I, I'm sure he's the anomaly. He's, yeah, he's just a bit of a weirdo. But really, like, the goals of the Brexit project are actually, I'm still on board with that, you know? <sighs> like,
1: yeah, the ill defined goals told to us by very, very rich, privileged, privately educated wankers. Yeah. Maybe you do have so, a chip some on with shoulder. quite shady,
0: shady, uh, contacts with Russia. I seem to recall. Not that there was any investigation into that. No, I anyway. think all of that's wound up now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Right, guys, it's half past eight. We've been gassing away for an hour. Um, I could do let, Let's do a, a couple of quick Q&As in the live chat if anyone's got some questions that they want to fire at me uh, or Graham Hughes of Tantric Nan fame. Tantric Nan? Tantric is that Nan. Band? Is yeah. that our band? Yeah. Tantric Nan. See, this is what I mean. You've had an interesting live, Graham. You know, you've <laughs> travelled the world. You're a political campaigner. You started World Scouse Day. Global Scouts Day. Global yeah. Scouts Day, sorry.
1: I didn't just travel the world. I was the first person to visit every country in the world without flying. There you go. So you make it sound like I went on Aldi.
0: <laughs> we got one of those
1: round-the-world tickets of STA travel. You, you've got an island world. and
0: an amazing chap. you are one-third of the twenty times nominated for a secret Santa Uh Tantric Nan outfit. Tantric Nan. Yeah. Um, right. Tim that says. Favorite childhood crush? You go first. Ooh. Oh, ah, little
1: mermaid. No, um, Cuddles and Dimples as Mum from The Dandy. Wow. Um, Jessica Rabbit. Oh, shit. No, the, the bunny rabbit from the Caramac commercials.
0: There you go. Okay. I should mock that, but I kind of get it as well. Like,
1: yeah. um, I was a child. I didn't know what was going on. My sexual
0: awakening was a chocolate commercial. Um, Mine was. I'm, like, this this is probably gonna like illustrate precisely how fucked up I am in the head. But like, probably Winona Ryder in okay. Beetlejuice. <laughs> like, well, that was probably
1: about the, about the right age. Well, I'd say the same for um, Je- Jennifer Connelly because she was in. She's the same age as me, and she was in um, Labyrinth. She was lovely. She's gorgeous yeah. in Labyrinth. Yeah. Jenny Agatha says number three. Yeah, I saw Walkabout when I was far too young to see Walkabout and I had a yeah. thing with Jenny Agutter for a long time. I did quite like... And also, like- um,
0: Logan's Run with Basil Exposition.
1: <laughs> the guy who plays Basil Exposition. Do you know what? Of, um, I've never
0: seen Logan's Run.
1: It's 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 crap. It's really
0: crap, but it's good.
1: It, it's yeah. it, There's a load of these sort of dystopian 70s sci-fi films and the you know the sets are crap the acting's got the effects are crap yeah but the ideas are brilliant and, and some of them are coming true
0: yeah well again like we're getting back to the sort of dystopian fantasy becomes current affairs sort of thing don't we yes aren't we indeed. um wait who who else did i i quite like paula abdul do you remember paula abdul i do remember paula abdul yeah straight up now tell me I quite like did you her. sing did you shing, Sing with a cartoon um, yes Cap, DJ uh, opposites Cat attract
1: Opposites attract. We come together because opposites attract. Yeah, and yeah. Madonna,
0: I used to quite fancy yeah. Madonna.
1: I really fancied Elle McPherson, who was on Friends, and before then she was in a movie called Sirens
0: with Sam Neill and maybe yeah. Tara Egerton and Hugh Hugh Grant. I that? know what you mean, but you know maybe I'm I'm giving myself giving my cards away here a little bit. Like I always feel like people like Elle McPherson and like Claudia Schiffer, and like I feel like they're they're too pristine, they're too pretty. <laughs> Like I need I need a bit of dirt. You know, I need a bit of <laughs> a bit of like I don't know. Like um Alyssa, Alyssa Milano, I think it's beautiful. Um and what who was the bird out of um uh nine oh two one oh? Lady. Oh um Shannon Doherty. Yeah, no, something like that. Like back in the day I really fancied Shannon Doherty. Uh you've got like sort of dark Fallen yeah. angel, sort of. I don't know what's wrong with me. But I
1: never really went for the sort of you know the blonde bimbo sort of no. Pamela Anderson types. Never really did anything for me. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I, I preferred someone who looked like they could you know fix your car. Yeah, <laughs> Elle McPherson looked like she could fix your car. She's yeah. like, yeah, mate, turning up you know in the dungarees with a big spanner.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose my type, if you like, gun to head. My type has always been like sort of you know fallen angel, dark hair or. Yes. Scouser with a hat thing. Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. Scouser in a hat. Yeah. Perfect. I've made this weird, now haven't <laughs> <known>. I? Um, <laughs> any other questions? Whilst we're uh, <laughs> uh, whilst we're being whilst weird, whilst we're shooting the shit. Um, Everyone's just talking about their Man. now. Uh, Nina Cherry, Saffron from Republica. Um, Debbie Harry. Debbie Harry. Tan saying Brendan Fraser. Oh, do you know what I
1: always really loved? Mm-mm. Philippa
0: Forrester out of Robot Wars. I don't, i I'm a not huge thing for
1: Philip Forrester. Gorgeous. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay, good. What was, okay, let's finish on some quick fires. Here we go. What was the, the first album you ever bought? First album I ever bought was R.E.M. Uh, it was the one with. Um,
1: I think interesting. It was for the interesting. No, it wasn't Automatic for the People. It was one before that. It was the one with Losing My Religion on it, which was, oh God. What's it called? Out of Time. Out of yeah, Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By R.E.M., Great album, yeah. First single, T U R T L E Power by
0: Partners in Crime, which was the uh, who the, the music fuck is that? The, uh,
1: it was from the um, the Turtle, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie.
0: Oh, okay. The only music I know from that is like Vanilla Rice Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go! It was a k- single, it was a k- single. I see, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know your first album, surprise, like normally I think first album, you know, you're about eight or nine, it's probably not going to be anything that credible. Is it for me? Well, it I think have. it
1: was like I think it was the summer of 1991. Maybe it came out, and we were traveling around Eastern Europe. Um, and that year, we went to I think Hungary, and everywhere we went had MTV Europe, and you yeah, know, we like staying in a hotel. And we were and, and um, losing my religion was on heavy rotation, as they used to call it back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Heavy rotation on uh, on MTV, and it was just brilliant. Blew me God, away. I miss I MTV, got man, back got home, day. and I bought the
0: album from HMV, which used to be above Top Shop in Church Street in the. We're talking about such relics now, aren't we? Like MTV is (laughs) fucked. HMV on Oxford Street is gone now. I think it's just... a Last time I was was in Oxford Street, it was like... I was like, what the fuck happened to this place? Like, like, everything... The Tories. 13 years in the Tories. Tower Records used to be in Piccadilly Circus. HMV used to be on Oxford Street. I went down Oxford Street, uh, maybe like last year, this must have been... And uh, it's just like pound shops and like mobile phone shops and shit, tourist tap. <laughs> I was like, fucking hell. I mean, I knew things were bad, but I thought HMV, I thought like, you know, they'd sell <laughs> guitars in there, they'd be yeah. you know, purely for the branding. I thought it would still be there, but apparently not. Um, not. Okay, so first album was that. Uh, what's the last song that you listen to? Before you came on,
1: uh, I listened to the new song by The National called "Laugh Track" with Phoebe Bridges, and it's absolutely brilliant. The I'm National, try it. You, a, I think a, you sent me the link to, a, and to it. And Phoebe Bridges' voice is just ethereal; yeah.
0: she's just amazing. Uh, who would play you in a movie of your life? I'm guessing Seth Rogan.
1: T- I told you the story about the the guy who said, "I recognize you." Did, yeah, did you? I think in, I was uh, sort of in Melbourne. <laughs> I read, you're that guy aren't you from the pineapple express and i was like no
0: <laughs> did you have like curly hair and everything sort of out the sides yeah okay
1: Before i can sort of falling. yeah I
0: sort of see them yeah. um okay. i'd prefer it to be maybe chris pratt but he's a bit of a dick actually is or, he yeah.
1: really yeah is apparently, apparently. Oh, okay
0: i hear i hear on the grapevine yeah. dick. But yeah i heard a nasty story about like matt leblanc uh when um well, i don't know if i want to hear this yeah apparently like it was, so I was like going through YouTube where uh, Matthew Perry, like m- memorial sort of stuff and people talking about like what had happened. And um, and then I happened across a Louis C.K. interview with okay, yeah. uh, Opie and Anthony, uh, which is a sort of iconic like podcasty radio show from back in the day. And they were talking about how Louis C.K. was, a I think it was a Canadian uh, comedy festival and he bumped into Matt LeBlanc and he tipped the waitress as in louis ck tipped the waitress something like 30 dollars or 40 um because he saw it as he tells the story he saw it like i've been given so many free drinks over the years coming up like doing comedy clubs <laughs> and stuff that when you yeah. make it you have to you got to pay it forward like you got to yeah. help the help sort of thing and apparently matt leblanc said to him like what the fuck are you doing like don't that's way too much what are you doing like yeah. and i was like i that's, met some
1: people like that that's a I always always pay Always be nice to service staff. That that is my rule in life. You will not believe what you get away with if you're mates with the service staff. Whenever I was on these cargo ships going around the world, um, the first person I made friends with was the cookie.
0: Like, Mm. just go and see see the ships cook and, you know, have a laugh, take a beer. (laughs) (laughs) What about when you were on tour with uh, Tantric Nan? Were you... Yeah. were you too high were you
1: uh no no i mean i'm with we tantric Nana. i was i was going from a vegan phase wasn't i so i was i was sort of skeletal of uh I had anemic dysentery as well um but no do you remember the the, the mexican guy pancho um he kept coming in <laughs> giving us those he, he basically used to make these mushroom risottos and i don't know what the fuck mushrooms he put in them but uh yeah when they say mind-bending yeah so maybe yeah. i was off on i'd on drugs that's heady incredible. days
0: mate heady days at tantric nan yeah man but then how did so you said it was Thank like you know. the, the vegan period but then how did you square that circle with the fact that you were boiling lsd within the penis of a cow
1: well i mean you've got to do that at least once in life i, mean, I think that's something that's on everyone's bucket list isn't it i mean it's on mine but i'm not a vegan so i've, I've eaten some fucked up things in my time mate yeah fertilized duck egg Balut in, in, in the Philippines. Dancing yeah. octopus in South Korea. Literally, Jeez. the octopus is squirming as you eat it. Lovely. Like like old boy. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Right, so. I've okay. eaten dog. I ate dog by accident once. It's horrible.
0: <laughs> How the fuck do you eat a dog by accident?
1: Well, it was in China, and all the menu was in Chinese. I know what the fuck I was eating. Yeah, right. And I, I was like, oh, this meat, it tastes really putrid. It tastes really
0: horrible, like solidified fart. Yeah. And then I was kind of pushing it away. Like, I love that you have the reference in your head of like what yeah. a solidified fart would taste like. Well, you know what I mean not not shit, but a
1: solidified <laughs> fart. And anyway, so I'm like pushing it away, right? And and I say to the guy next to me, like, you know, what's this? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And I keep pushing it away. And then in in this mound of fucking rice that I've been eating is a is a is a cooked paw, a dog's paw, in the <laughs> rice, like hidden in there, like a fucking penny in a in a Christmas pudding. And I was like,
0: oh my god, what
1: the fuck? And I'm like nudging the guy next to me. I'm like, is this dog? And he's like, I went, woof, woof. And he's like, yeah, yeah, woof, woof. He's <laughs> really good. And I'm like, what the... And then, yeah, I, I literally vomited. I, I, I was sick. It was oh, horrible. Man.
0: So, uh, and, yeah, and then don't wait, eat wait, dogs
1: because, A, it's immoral. And, B, it tastes like shit.
0: And how long after that was it that Tantric Nan just said, this is getting too crazy. We need to... <laughs> uh, Guys, that's it for this one. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I love the fact that number three is in the chat there going like, because like I said, pointing it with like in the penis of a cow. Like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, cows have penises. No, they don't. For anyone that's confused, cows, bulls, penises, cows, (laughs) not so much. Quite rare. Very few cows (laughs) have penises. Um, I'll be back next Tuesday or Wednesday with a solo show as per usual. Um, big round of applause for my guest tonight, Graham Hughes of Labor Social. Um, I'm actually gonna be on his channel. We're gonna move over to Labor Social now yeah, at nine we're o'clock. Yeah. So you can grab us. a beer. Yeah, with uh with I uh, probably a couple of other people as well. Super Tansky. Super um, Tupansky's in the chat. Is oh, she coming over to Labor Social Tan? Awesome. So yeah, so Tan will be with us. Um she might be just in the chat, but if you want to come over, you're very welcome to. Oh, right, I see. Okay. I thought you were On Labor Social. Her That's... attendance youtube.com forward slash at labor social there you go i'm just going to give a quick shout out to my uh to my patreons um i i, I mean i say that this is me crediting you guys really it's implicating you it's implicating <laughs> you it's it's tying you in with my uh with my content so um big shout extra big shout out to rachel harris uh, who jumped on the Patreon uh last week. Thank you so much for showing your love to the podcast and to the punk politics videos. Um right. uh, Doff of the Cap to Bowman to Kai Christy, David Voice Martin Maracas, Mojo Sabian who's joined us in the uh in the chat tonight. Yeah. What's up Mojo? Good job, no job. Um Oliver Stevens, Peter Del Monte. Uh Pingu. I can never say his you. name normally. It's just such a theatrical Peter Del Monte Del Monte. Um, He's he guest Uh, Stuart, uh, T-Rex, Aaron, Alex Souter, Alex Tooth, Jeff McGow, Mark Harris, Ned Berg, uh, Ricardo, Sarah, and Simon Flack. Thank you so much, guys. Um, Until next time, take care of yourselves, and I'm out this motherfucker.